This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, and we got a full house here today. I can't remember the last time this happened. There's Evan Grant sitting across from me asleep on his microphone. And next to me, David Moore. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, Kevin. Yourself? I'm doing great. Good. You look good. Thanks. Ah, How about you? Nice snap. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. So, David. I heard the words. Sterator and I fell asleep. Gene Sterator, yeah. Uh, so, David, the Cowboys have uh, lost three games. They're three and three. The fans are calling for the head coach's head. Uh, no, nothing going on with the Cowboys. <laughs> nothing at all. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, we were talking last week. The the only way that last week wasn't a placeholder heading into the Philadelphia game would be if they lost, and and it would. Release the dogs of war, and uh, <laughs> certainly that has happened They're from barking. a fan base standpoint, yeah. and uh, and rightfully so. Look, you know, you go back. I think that's the, um, you know, f- for whatever the criticism of Jason Garrett through the years, one thing where even his critics had to give him or, or back off and not attack him on was under Jason Garrett, this team is almost always taking care of business against the teams it should beat. Rarely, rarely would we ever come back. They would lose games, but rarely would they ever lose a game that most people considered a, a slam dunk to win. Mm-hmm. That as an inferior opponent, based on the way the two teams are playing now, they should definitely win. They didn't have let. They didn't necessarily always rise to the occasion, but they didn't have these letdowns and falling to teams that they had no right of losing to. Uh, well, now strike that from the list yeah. because you know I. You go back and you look at it, that the Jets were 0-4 going into this game. The last time the Cowboys lost a game to a team that was 0-4 or worse was 1999. Wow. So it's been 20 years. It's been 20 years since uh, the Cowboys have lost to a team in that condition. And how did that team end up in 99? Do you know off the top of your head? Oh, that would probably be another one of the. Uh, that was another one of the five and. Uh, oh, was it one of the five Dave Campo teams? Oh, that may have been. Uh, no, ninety. Evan looked at that. Would have been the you? last uh, Chan Gately one, right? Dallas Cowboys reference. You know, eight and eight, either eight and eight or five and eleven. Those are. Those, that? You know, I'm you know I'm terrible uh, talking. They about They were either eight and eight or five and eleven. Okay. So before we get into to to Jason's future here, which is obviously we're going to dominate this uh podcast is um i want to ask you about a procedural thing here eight and eight eight and eight so in lost to the vikings and what was uh who was the coach then chan gailing chan Chan. yeah they made they made actually made the playoffs yeah Yeah. and then so see so they're fine 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> although, All's good. Although Jason shouldn't take All's it to good. heart. Jerry got rid of Chad Gailey <laughs> pretty quick. Pretty quick. Um, is that uh, during that game, of course, the, the, the touchdown to Jason Witten was wiped off the board because of a, a pick call against Cedric Wilson, uh, who, who was, uh, was running a corner route, and Jason Witten cut underneath him. And, and on the play, when you watch it, certainly when you watch it on the replay, uh, I didn't think that Wilson. I thought that Wilson did everything just right. He he goes up, he cuts. He's not putting his hands out to anybody. He's clearly trying to avoid Jamal Adams, who is coming across on the play. Jamal Adams is the guy covering. Yeah, he's not looking to Jason rub Witten. or pick on the play. No, I mean he's there, but he's not aggressively or actively. Yeah, initiating contact. And it's the DB who grabs him and holds him, and then Adams runs into him on the play, and then Jason Witten's wide open. Mm-hmm. The question was, and certainly Tony Romo's comment was, because I'm watching the game on TV. You're at the game, as we all know. It's very difficult to keep up with what's happening on TV when you're at the game. TV's not right in front of you. It's it's a mess. Uh, so, uh, and Romo says, "Oh gosh, that's not you know, that's not." OPI he was emphatic. There. Romo was very emphatic on it being a bad call, and um, uh, right from the get go. Yeah, when he saw the replay. So, so that my question was, uh, why didn't Jason Garrett question? Because you can. Why sure. did he not question that uh, that call? To to give the background and context on this, we talked to you know, Garrett had two challenges the week before in the Green Bay game. The one where he challenged thirty eight yard completion, where the official said Anthony Brown ran into uh, the receiver. Um, which was, uh, it was upheld. That the call on the field was upheld, so he lost that challenge. And then uh, a, a completion to Amari Cooper on the sidelines that was overturned. Jason Garrett did win that challenge. That that uh, Cooper got both feet in ground, but in bounds. But he was out of challenges at that point because that was the second challenge. And, you know, losing the first. So um, he was very frustrated the week before and had come to the determination and the um, the the stats the, around the league support this. I, I believe going in, uh, I'm not sure what happened yesterday, but, uh, but going into this week, 24 of 25 PI calls that were called on the field had been upheld. And coaches, and I know Jason Garrett feels this way, that, that they believe that the standard has been set that basically nothing is going to be overturned with this new rule. That it's just there for to help bail them out so you don't have another situation in the postseason where it's more. But, but they're not going like to let this. The New Orleans game. There was, the, the Orleans there was game. that even more egregious call on the Giants and Patriots game. Yeah, there was. The, and, and it was not Thursday. overturned. Yeah. Right. And so that was the Thursday night game. And so I think that just cemented in the mind of Garrett and the Cowboys coaching staff that, look, they're not going to do, they're just not going to use this challenge is going to be a wasted challenge and then we're going to be short if potentially at the end of the game now all of this being said yeah it was a touchdown taken off the board touch that's four you points. hadn't scored a touch you know right you you personally took points off the board earlier when after losing on third and one you go for it on fourth and two right um 
Was that the, that you was were not behind. the same drive? I thought that no, was no, the no, same no, drive. No, 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 no. That was this. That was the second quarter. This was the Witten touchdown was the third quarter. Okay, that's right. All right, because I wanted to talk about that second quarter situation. Sure, sure, and. So they were already in a position where they had given up points that they could have had. Right. And now you're running out of time. Yeah. You're still behind. You're giving up points here and just settling for a field goal. And, uh, but you should, know. And that, that, that was my issue with it is that. Uh, so why not? I, I think a big part. Well, why not? That's what a long-winded heck? way of saying I think a big part of this was his frustration from the week before and the evidence of how officials are not overturning these calls on the field led him not to fully explore whether or not to throw the flag there. Okay. I, I think based on his experience through five games, he went, well, this isn't worth it. But, but I'll go back. Okay, to but all, th- uh, this yeah. brings me, I want to interrupt for a second because this brings me to a really uh, – frustration is a really key word here, I think, right now. Um, because you just mentioned frustration. But in, in relation – look – if he had those numbers on lack of overturns, mm-hmm. um, and obviously and anybody yeah. who saw the and had the, personal experience the, with it, yeah, and the Thursday night play was as egregious as I've seen. Yes, uh, don't have an issue with, with with that thinking there, but I do think the idea that frustration is seeping in for Jason Garrett um, is kind of significant here, and and for me, the key tell on that was the fourth down play in the second quarter because it's almost like going for it there with so much personnel out, with so much of your offense depleted, is almost like a desperation. I, I thought it was a it was a play born of desperation than of what Jason has always been about, right? Which is do the safe, cautious, make the safe yeah. and cautious move. Well, he'll take bold moves in certain situations when he has the personnel. But, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And uh, and especially in light of the fact that Elliott was stuffed on third and one and lost a yard. Right. Now, if when you lose a yard on third and one, what compels you to think you're going to make it on fourth and two in that situation with your compromise? With line? your quarterback. With your, with your quarterback, yeah. With your quarterback running like running a running back. Running to his back. left. Yeah. Running like a running back. See, and that was my yeah. issue in this game was that, and, that, and I. I don't want to keep citing Tony Romo, but when when I, listen, you can cite Tony Romo all you want because he is fantastic. Well, he's good at it, but but when he when when Dak did score the touchdown mm-hmm. on a play that you know, yeah, I, I'm sitting there watching the game with my oldest son, and I'm saying, you know, and this is what I've I've said all along about Dak Prescott is that this is what he gives you in the red zone it is the option of a guy who can bootleg, a guy who can roll out, a guy who can run the the. Well, I zone think we both said this with. on wherever you are. On well, the wherever you are, but yeah. certainly in the red zone. This was and he's a strong between, runner, not yes, just a scrambler, right. a strong this was runner. The difference between him and Tony Romo is quarterbacks. Yeah. Remember, remember at the end of Tony Romo's career, the Cowboys struggled in the red zone. Mm-hmm. They, they really couldn't do it because Tony was no threat as a runner, right? Mm-hmm. So. So then what Tony said after he scores a touchdown, he goes, that was really the two-point play. You know, that's what I would have found. Well, that was – my thinking was at least instead of having him, uh, uh, you know, earlier in the game when he when he tucks the ball in and runs with it like you're running a, a sweep, like it's Nebraska from 1971, it's like why are you why are you running that play? Why don't you have a, the zone read option where he's standing there next to him he got yeah. the option to, yeah. to do either one? Sure. Do something, but don't call that play. But what? Uh, so what is? What but, but again, yeah, go, go, going back to that, that would have been, assuming Maher would have made a kick that close. But it should, yeah. you know, it, it was very close. That would have been seven six, 
and then they would have kicked off, and so New York would have had the ball, you know, 25. You're assuming I, they wouldn't be a 92-yard there, well, there wasn't a big hit. There wasn't a big hit. And I doubt in that situation they were going to go for the big hit there. Yeah. You know, right. it was just it, because it, it changes because things. And, and that's so, always the old play. When, when you made a big yeah, play sure. on defense, you come right back with the big play on offense. Sure. And that's why. And, and that's, that's what they did. But so it. why does he. That's, this, this is the thing for me. Why does he. If, if we're. The case for Because he wanted Garrett, to show confidence in his team and that, yes, you know, this line can absolutely. do it. And you know what? We've struggled. We need to get things going. We were moving on this drive. I still believe in us. We can get this done. Go. But that's, it, that's he, just a he has bad to step decision on that. my part. Oh, you know it I, was. It was given he was looking for something to jumpstart them. But that's on the assumption that you're going to make it. And how would you be, as they like to say, convicted in that assumption when you just lost on third and one? Right. And they were stopping the run game early in the run all day, and this this is especially the thing at that point of the game. You just gave me all these points, and this is the Jason yeah. that that I've come to to see over the past decade. Is I've got point A, point B, point C. Mm-hmm. All of these things lead me to this rational. Th- yes, even even if it doesn't make me daring, and here all of a sudden now I'm going to break character out of consistency and really for no reason whatsoever. Again, against a bad team. On the road, where as poorly as you had played, if you'd just taken the field goal there, you're only down by one point. Right. And it's like you figure that your superior talent and, and your execution is going to come around at some point. And their execution did come around, but it's it's too late. And again, that's this whole thing about, you know, fight and scratch and claw and you know, they they've done that in in all three of these losses. But their dreadful execution early has put them in a position. You know, I think one of the things that was so refreshing to a lot of Cowboys fans in the first three weeks of the season was that this team was taking care of business early and really wrapping these games up in two and a half or three quarters and then just managing the game in the fourth. Not not everything was hard. Not everything was a grind. Not was, everything was a test of their manhood late in the game. The first three games, now granted, right, they were all against subpar teams, but the first three games were counter to what we've seen from Jason Garrett, which is I'll just play to win the game on the last drive. Give me one yeah. last possession with a chance to win. That's all I want. And I thought it was evident in the, coming out in the second half of those games where even earlier uh, I think you would have seen – uh, the team would have gotten back to running the ball in the third quarter and just doubling down on its identity, regardless of what the score is, just to say, look, we're going to impose our will on you. We're going to be who we are. But what did they do in the first three games? They came out throwing on, in, in the third quarter to increase the lead even more to where they could get back to their run game. And then they've scored more points than anybody in the league in the third quarter going into that game. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but now look, now you have a stretch in this losing streak they have been outscored forty-seven to nine in the first half. Yeah. Right. They have not scored a first half touchdown. They have not scored. And you want to go back in these last two games, you have to phrase this properly. They they were down twenty by twenty-eight points against Green Bay before they scored a touchdown. And they were down by eighteen points to the New York Jets before they found the end zone. Now, they came back and got a couple of field goals, and then they scored. So, at the time they scored, it was actually – but in both games, they fell behind by 18 and 28 before the offense ever found the end zone. So, it's not just about 
it's not just about the number. We talk about this, too. I mean, it's not just about the numbers at the end of the game because, again, go back to the Jets game. They had more yards. They had no turnovers, so fewer turnovers. They had about half of the penalty yards that the Jets had. And they won the time of possession by close to six minutes. And they converted 10 third down on third down conversions 10 times to only two for the Jets. So five times as many third down conversions on top of winning every other category. And not only did they lose the game, I would argue they didn't deserve to win the game. I mean, it wasn't no, – they got no, within two no, points, but they no. didn't deserve to win that game. No. And they won every major statistical category. And that's, that's highly unusual, and that's what's very disturbing because, you know, they lost the previous two games because it, it was an uncharacteristic six turnovers in, in two games. Right. Uh, the, the most ever in a two-game stretch during Dak Prescott. Well, they lost the time. previous two games to, to competitive teams. Yeah. Exactly. Now, you know, now let me let me run this past you because we're, we're going into week seven. Cowboys do not. I still I, I love this, but Cowboys do not have a win over a team that came into the game with an with a win this season. Yeah, it's amazing to me. Yeah, and what I think the combined what their combined record of the teams they've beaten is three and three and 14, fourteen. I think. Yeah. yeah. So we've talked all about the offense and the struggles there. I want to talk about the defense. Because to me, this is the one area where uh, the Cowboys ha- are mystifying. You know, we've 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 diagnosed and discussed Dak Prescott and whether he's a hundred million dollar quarterback and all of that. And those are legitimate questions. Certainly, uh, I, I think the point was made by our film studies major uh, John Owning that 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 Dak looks like the kind of quarterback who is. Uh, Really good, almost uh, MVP caliber when he's got all his parts around him, but he doesn't necessarily lift the team up when he doesn't have the parts around him. He's mm-hmm. not, and there's not very many quarterbacks who can do that. There's mm-hmm. only three or four in the whole league. That's not necessarily an indictment of Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott is good enough to get the Cowboys to the Super Bowl if all the pieces sure. are in place around him. Uh, the question for me is that's mystifying to me is this defense. Uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence isn't doing anything. Uh, Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, you don't even notice them anymore. The linebackers have disappeared the uh, last two you know, years. And, of course, you, and of course, you know they don't have any safeties. That was the as, – as bad as it was for Cheeto Ouzier to, to stumble, at least that's a physical mistake when he turns and Robbie Anderson is running past him. The, the, the problem that I have is that where's Jeff Heath on that play? You know, you, this is your job. He was too shallow. He was too he was shallow. shallow. And the, ball's in the, the ball hung in the air for, I don't know, 15 seconds, it seemed like. It looked mm-hmm. like a punt. And he still didn't, couldn't get back on that play. And, of course, we know what this team, this organization, thinks about safeties. You know, and they and they and, and they and they complain about the fact that they get no turnovers. And, and look at Adams on the other side for the Jets and – Look at look yeah. at what look at what Pro Bowl safeties do. That's where interceptions come. They come from they come sure. from safeties. They don't necessarily come from cornerbacks. But the Cowboys don't care about that. But my issue is, is that so what's happening with this defense? Why why is Demarcus Lawrence struggling so much when you've got Robert Quinn playing on the other side, who now has how many sacks? Four. No, he has more than that. He has probably five, five and a half. I, I think. think yeah, something like that. Yeah. Who's playing unbelievably well? Uh, you would think that would make it. So much easier on, on, on Lawrence. Well, I think he's getting some side. single teams and some others where, you know, actually this last week, too, uh, in the Jets game, Lawrence graded out higher than Quinn, and Quinn had a sack. Is that right? Yeah. Quinn's sack came against – it was a, a busted coverage, and he didn't have anyone. 
Okay. So that's interesting. I, but but, yeah, there, but was, I, oh, there was a lot of chatter online that Quinn did not have a great game. It's uh, it was actually you watch Lawrence the the numbers the sack numbers aren't there to support it, and, and neither are the quarterback hurries, which have been a big. Uh, he needs to get around the quarterback more, but but he's getting double teamed constantly. He's still continuing to fight. You know, my question is, I looked up on the Cowboys' second possession, defensive possession in that game, and neither Quinn or Lawrence are on the field. Right. They've already been rotated out after one possession. Right. And I understand the benefits of a rotation, but do you need to rotate that early? Right. I mean, and, and it's not like the Jets had a long, prolonged series the first time they were on the field. Right. And in the second and, half, didn't, didn't Lawrence play, play, play much more? Well, he had to because Doran's Armstrong went out with a, uh, a stinger okay. and didn't play in the second half. So, yeah, he was back out there uh, more. But, look, you know, this defense is underperformed. Yes. No question about it. And, well, I don't think Lawrence is playing as bad as as the public lashing is, he's not playing at a Pro Bowl level at the moment. Um, you know, and certainly Jalen Smith and, and Leighton Vander Esch, the expectation was two young guys in their second full season together would take a noticeable step and the defense would be even better. Neither one of them is playing close to what no. as well as they were playing last year right. by the, by the second half of last year. So, you know, on both sides of the ball, when you're struggling, you need your best players and your Pro Bowl players to step up and make plays. And the reason this defense is underperforming is because their key defensive players are not making any plays and are playing some of the worst in the group. Now, the other thing I will say is, uh, and I, I think the linebackers, the linebackers have been non-existent which yeah. to me is the biggest issue. Yes. More so than than Lawrence. Um and yeah, I don't want to I don't want to give him too much of an out, but I will say I think the Cowboys defensive front is being overpowered in a way they weren't for most of last year and offensive lines in the run game are getting to the second level on the Cowboys defense quicker than they were last year. And it's swallowing up the linebacker. So instead of sitting there and, and, and being ready to go to attack, the play is already on them and mm-hmm. it's coming at them. So I, I think uh, the interior of the line has not been as good a, a, as what it needs to be. And I think that has contributed to this. All of that being said, your best players need to make plays and they're not doing it on the defensive side of the no. ball. So let me ask you this. So you've got two guys on that defensive staff who are essentially defensive coordinator. You got yeah. Chris Richard and you got Rod Marinelli. Yes. We know that Rod Marinelli doesn't like to blitz. Uh, we know that Rod Marinelli loves to change out personnel on the defensive line, as you said earlier. Uh, you, you got a guy you're paying a man bucks a year to uh, more than that uh, to to play uh, defensive end for you. And uh, and he's out of the game in the second series. Kerry Hyder is getting yeah. you know forty percent of the snaps at defensive end. Um, what is it? Is it possible that if if Rod Marinelli were just a defensive line coach and Chris Richard were the de facto defensive coordinator, not only the de facto but the official defensive coordinator, and he were calling the plays, that this might be a more aggressive defense and might play more 
to the uh, the talent of a Jalen Smith uh, and a and a Leighton Vander Esch and and maybe in, in, to Tank Lawrence as well. Didn't they do that last year? Oh, you mean do that more? Well, yeah, and and it was the same staff composition. Yeah, I, I think legitimate questions, but I but I I also think that. Sometimes you just have to say guys aren't playing as well as they have in the past. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and, and, and Richard came from Seattle, which is the same scheme that 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 Rod is versed in, the Tampa yeah, two. And, it is. and he's very much they're very much you just get the pressure and you don't blitz because you don't open up big plays on the back end. You don't open yourself up for ninety two yard touchdown throws. Right. Which was the second longest allowed in franchise history. Yes, it was. Um, but, that, the, the, but, that, but that's the thing they normally do well. They keep plays in front of them. They don't give up the big plays. And they don't expose themselves because they blitz at a lower rate than most teams. And it's been a formula that's worked for them the last year and a half. This defense has been building for a year and a half to where you said, you know what? It's not just the offense carrying anymore. You can win some games defensively when the sure. offense isn't playing well. And when they needed this team uh, – when they needed the defense to win some games here against Green Bay, look, I I, I think the defense we're we're dumping on the defense now and rightfully so, but the defense put Dallas in a position to win the New Orleans game. Yeah, the defense was good enough then. I mean, they didn't allow a touchdown Te- on the road. That's also against Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who hasn't lost a game yet, filling that's in true. for <laughs> Drew Brees. And who has scored a lot more scored a lot more points against Seattle than they did against Dallas. Scored yeah. a lot more points against every other team than they did Dallas. Um, you know, I thought coming out of that game that that was just like the New Orleans game last year established the Cowboys' defense as like, well, this yeah. is one of the better defenses in the league. I thought the defense got back on track with that New Orleans game. That you know what they kind of found they got back to playing the way they were playing last year. This bodes well for them, and then, and then the boom, they're down seventeen zero, and they're they allow the first four four touchdown rushing guy in their history. Aaron Jones and, looked like a, the greatest running back in the history of the NFL. And look at him last night against Detroit. Look at him. Look yeah. at him. The two games going before Dallas, and then the game coming out against Detroit doesn't look like the same guy. No. And uh, uh, so, so this defense has been very disturbing in, in how poorly they played these last two games. And so uh, you're having a total breakdown on both sides of the ball right now. And, and at, least, at least on the offensive side, you go, well, look, well, you're without your two starting offensive tackles and, and your best receiver. And the second leading receiver in the league goes out after the first series with an unexpected injury after saying earlier in the week, you know, Amari Cooper – said on Thursday, the quad really doesn't bother me much anymore. That's not an issue at all. It, my ankle's still a little bit of an issue, but the quad, this quad bruise has gotten so much better since the, since the game. Now, I'm not concerned about it at all. And then, you know, four plays into the game, comes to the sidelines and, and tells the coaching staff, I can't go anymore. This quad just won't let me push off. I can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's a good chance he doesn't play this weekend either. All right, well that that's a good segue because I, I think we've got to get into this Eagles game because it's a, it's a significant, it's um, a big deal. It's a big deal. Doug Peterson says they're going to come down here and win. He's not guaranteeing it. 
He just said that they will win. Well, boy, we, he didn't I, actually I, use the word I mean, guarantee as the yeah. only thing he didn't do. He said they're going to come down and win this game and lead the division afterwards. The, yeah. the Joe Namath guarantee in Super Bowl three opened up such a can of worms because now we have to check with guys. Like, and what is what do you get if the guarantee doesn't come through? Uh, you, you get nothing. Oh, okay. So it's really kind of worthless. Yeah, right? Jimmy Johnson made a guarantee. Yeah, and what when he came through? Yeah, well, he did. So that's great. You know, I talked to him this year about that, and uh, and he said, you know, when I made that, he said, uh, I knew we were going to win that game. He said, I wasn't hoping we were going to win that game. I'm not going to stick my neck out like yeah. that. So, so when Doug Peterson says this, though, do you really think that Doug Peterson thinks they're going to win this game? I think in his mind, he thinks that. Yeah, we got a chance to win here, but I'm not confident we're going to win. Yeah, because there's not going to be any repercussions if you don't well, he realize your guarantee. He's got a by contract for 2022. Well, in Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota kind of put it on him pretty good in this yeah. last game. And, by, and, by, the, by the way, breaking news, Landry Jones will be the Dallas Renegades XFL, yeah. XFL quarterback. Yeah, that was kind of a foregone conclusion. Although they they sort out those, you know, they got some pretty weird rules. Lance Dunbar, yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> we say we're assigning you quarterbacks. Assigning, you don't, yeah. you don't. Lance Dunbar, Lance Dunbar, he's there. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can stay healthy enough to actually do something for uh, the Renegades. Um, <clears throat> all right, so that's enough Renegades talk for the next four years. Um, You're assuming they'll be around in four years, four weeks, four months. Um, David, yes. So Evan. we've got. We've got, a, you know, the columnist types, unlike you and I, the guys out on the street working stuff. The columnist types guys like to sit street. back and talk about. The feet on the street, yes. Arrogance and things like that. Um, what happens if, if the Cowboys lose this game? What is the, how does the chatter and the conversation regarding Jason Garrett's future change? Well, I think, let me, let's ramp that up. That's a, who cares what the chatter is? Is Jerry Jones going to fire if he if the Cowboys lose, is Jerry Jones going to fire his head coach on Monday morning? Oh, I can answer that one. David answered it already. David, today. answer it. Go ahead. Jerry is. It depends on how they lose. I mean, if you lose by thirty five points in a game that's this significant, based off what you saw against the Jets, then that would take it to a different level. Uh, if it's a competitive game and you lose. I don't think he'll be gone. And the, these are the reasons. Look, J- Jerry, it, for all of people assign all of these impulsive ways to him and the Mad King does whatever he wants whenever he wants, there's an element of that. But he's only fired a coach in season once. It was Wade Phillips. And they were 1-7. and seven. And they were 1-7. and seven. They lost five straight games at that point. And ramping up to it, they had lost by – 17 to Jacksonville at home, and 35 or 38 to Green Bay on the road. They had clearly quit on Wade. And th- this was a team that won the division the year before and, right. and was coming back and was 1-7. Um, now, this team has lost three straight. Two of those losses have been by a total of four points. But I will say the Jets' loss does put it in a different category. Yeah, that was does. two points, but that is a different. But still, they they've been competitive in, in these games, so th- th- there's still that there, and they're still in, in first place in the division, and, and they're still playing for the division. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, well, yeah, no, they, I mean, it's a good point, and they yeah. actually have. I mean, right now, yeah, they are in first place. They have the same overall record, but Dallas has a better divisional record. 
Right. And so they actually have the lead over Philadelphia right, right. now. Uh, now that would change if they lose the division game. But 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 the two, so so there's that. I don't. This has not deteriorated to the point that it was in 2010 when Jones made his only in-season coaching move. Two, and to me the bigger point is, you go back then, Jason Garrett was installed as the offensive coordinator before Wade Phillips was ever hired. That was he Jerry's was, boy. He was the hair apparent. He was the heir apparent. He was the or the hair apparent. The hair apparent. <laughs> which I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend either one of you with that comment. Wow, uh, wow that's a shock. And but he was clearly being groomed for the position. Yes. It was going to be turned over to him. So, okay, now you've bottomed out. You have nothing to play for. So you. You allowed you get a Jason Garrett on, a soft opening to see, okay, you get a head start on are we right about this guy? Yeah. If you move on from Jason Garrett after the Philadelphia game, when you're three and four and one game out of the division with a, another division game coming out of the bye against the Giants, um, you have to say, okay, there's someone on our staff who deserves it, and who do we want to turn this over to? Is there? Well, do you want to turn it over to Rod Marinelli, who was 0-16 in if his you, last year If you're year turning it over coach? to Rod Marinelli, it's, it's strictly on an interim basis. Exactly. Does Chris Richard deserve to get it, based off of what we've seen on this defense this year? No. Do you turn it over to Kellen Moore? Right. The, who will have seven games under his belt as an offensive coordinator? Four the answer, of them being bad. I think the answer would be no. Change. I think what you're what you're going to here is he's on for this season. Look, the, you know, him being in his final year of the contract was never a referendum on him as a regular season coach. It was about his inability for this team to advance in the postseason past the divisional round. This team's won the division three the last five years, um, so. You, you're just turning it over on a placeholding basis at that point. And one thing you've seen from Garrett, and you saw it last year, I don't think anyone gave much of a chance of making the playoffs and winning the division last year when they were 3-5. and five, Right. And they were able to fight through that. So now you would be taking Garrett out of what is arguably his best element that he has shown you he can do time and time again, which is overcome adversity within a season. Even going back to those three, eight, and eight years, those were some bad teams that he got into the final game of the regular season to play for the divisional title. I, I see. Now, no, all those teams were down. But I'm just saying, what is the benefit to turning it over to someone that you don't intend to be the head coach in 2020? I don't, I don't see any logical reason to make a coaching move midseason. The only thing I could, fig- I could see is – If you, and and Kevin, you can speak to this better than I can, but let's assume that you want to target Lincoln Riley. Um, And you know that Washington is going to target Lincoln Riley and Atlanta may target Lincoln Riley. I don't know that either one of those those teams have any kind of advantage over the Cowboys, but if you... But you're not going to do it during the season either because he'll he'll still have his season. That's the thing. I mean, you're not 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 putting yourself behind. You're not going to him... In the middle of Oklahoma's football season, are you? No. no. So, so here's here's the situation. So there's zero. So it's going to go through January anyway. So you're not you're not putting yourself behind. 
if you assume that's the next guy, and that would be a logical target based on where we where things stand at the moment. Um, he's you're every, not putting he's everybody's behind. logical target exactly. right, at this point. He is. He, he's the number he is. one. He's the number one choice of any NFL team that wants to go to a college guy. Right. Certainly, and and the, and the the number one choice of most anybody anyway. Uh, and I think that, and that question came up last week as I was talking to people before the Texas OU game. What about Lincoln? And of course, you know, when you're, and I don't know Lincoln, uh, I've only spoken to him in press conferences. I've never had personal conversations with him. He's a really impressive guy. Uh, you know, from that's what everybody said about him. Uh, when he got the job, you know, uh, that that's, when, that's the reason why Bob Stoops went ahead and retired was because, boy, this guy's really good. We really and and they they were all blown away by him. I, I have never seen people so excited about a guy who'd never been a head coach before. Uh, that they just all knew that this is the guy. This is you know he, he's he's less like beyond just the offensive. Expertise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just the way you know, like after the game. This was really interesting to me after the uh, after the win over over Texas. Um, and people were asking about the defense because because Oklahoma's defense has been terrible the last few years, and he fired Mike Stoops after the Texas game last year, and uh, clearly was 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 fed up with it and fed up with what was happening. And people were asking, so what is it that you're doing now? And because Texas was talking about how they were, you know, it was not an over overly complicated defense. They allowed the players to play to their athletic ability. Kenneth Murray looks like a different linebacker now from what he was before, even though I thought he was pretty good last year. But, you know, he's a lot better this year than he was last year. And and, and Lincoln just says, you know what, uh, we, can, we can talk about schemes all day long. It's all about mentality and, and, you know, and desire and, and, and what you get out of these people. And I just thought it was such a smart thing to say is that, he, that yeah, that Alex Grinch, the new defensive coordinator came from Ohio State and who had coached under Mike Leach before that at Washington State, was a guy who was uh, really bright, really sharp. You can tell talking to him, he was very impressive as well. Uh, was that it was more than that? So, so I make all that point to say that that Lincoln gets it. You know, mm-hmm. he gets all the aspects of the game. Now the question is, uh, he can stay at Oklahoma the rest of his life. I have sure. no question about that. He's a young guy, and I he can stay there forever because he's going to win a lot of games at Oklahoma. Uh, the question is, do you want to be in an environment where all it is is football? You don't have to worry about recruiting. You don't have to worry about anything else. You don't have to worry about grades. You don't have to worry about anything. And that's the lure. Yeah. You know, is, is that, that's the lure. Because he can make a lot of money at Oklahoma. Because the longevity is better in college. Oh, absolutely it is. But at some point, you got a question, and the guys at Oklahoma who cover the team, who know him a lot better than I do, all say, oh, I don't think he likes recruiting. He'll stay, he'll stay there. Uh, I don't buy that. I, 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 I think we don't really know a guy. Well enough to say that you you have to you have to ask yourself what's the ego here? Does he want to prove himself on the biggest stage there is? And and the guy grew up in Texas and is a huge Cowboys fan. The families they're all Cowboys fans. Mm-hmm. You just don't know how that all plays into the situation. So having said all that, uh, first of all, back to your point because I want to make sure that everybody knows this on the record that when they read my column, he said he just writing what David Moore told him uh, that. I had in there a lot of this stuff. Now, some of it I'm going to change now. But there's a lot. There's no way that Jerry fires him. And, he, and just because of the what, just what you said. It would have to deteriorate to a point where you people, have no other choice. People were lying down on the field. Yes. You, you, if, if, you, if you went to three and seven. Yeah. You know, and. And you're losing games by 20, 25 points. But the, team's point, listless. the point on Wade Phillips was you had, you had your next coach on staff. Yes. You had already deemed him basically your next head coach. Yeah. The season was over with. This season is is 
Far from far over. from over. Even if they lose this game, it's far from over. Because they can go to Philly and win that game and split with the Eagles. Yeah. So that that's which is what often happens. And again, they absolutely. swept the Eagles last year absolutely. when the Eagles were in the dominant position. You know, I think they were what two games behind the Eagles when they played the first game up there yes, last year. I think that's right. And basically, it's just like, well, you know, you may have an outside shot at the wild card, and then you look up, and they're winning the division with like two weeks left. Yeah. I just don't. I just think that it, certainly you can. You know, it's a mess what's happened so far, and, and there's no question about any of that. The point is, is that this team still has everything out in front of it, mm-hmm. as Jerry likes to say. It, it is all right out there. You know, they they can take care of everything they need to take care of. Now, now that's Gary's line. Our season will be determined from this point forward. Yeah. Now here's well, the, yeah, because you put you know you, yeah, you that, erased that, every cu- the I, cushion I the Cowboys, you had. The Cowboys social media account tweeted the the Dak quote from the other day. We're we're zero and zero. Right. No, yeah. you're not. Of course, the, the issue is <laughs> no, with, you're not. with with, no, with you're fans, not. and and I and I understand this is that what have you done? You beat three bad teams and you lost to two good teams, and you lost to one good team that didn't have a starting quarterback. So, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, you lost to one good team or two good teams, and then now you lost to one bad team. So, so you really haven't done anything. That's the issue. I still think this is a good team. I still think that they are underperforming on both sides of the ball. Uh, I still think that you know when when people want to talk about, I, I hate it when they they say. Why would you believe that Jerry Jones is going to do anything? They had won anything in in, uh, in almost thirty years. Yes, that's all true, and that has nothing to do with what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I make all my judgments on this team based on the talent they've assembled and because of what they did last year, which they got to the second round of the playoffs. You know, with a team that's not as good as this. With the second youngest team in the league, across absolutely. The board. And so those kind yes. of things say to you, this is a team on the rise. Now, if it it, it is disturbing. Uh, and certainly, it is, that's what disturbs me on defense. That these guys have taken a step backwards this year, and, and you know, and, and certainly teams have film on people, but it's not as easy to say you have film on a linebacker. I mean, yeah. holy cow, the linebacker just reacting, reading to and reacting. Yeah. yeah, this is this is not supposed to be a situation where you're 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 dialing the guy out of a play. That's that's not possible for you know to do with a linebacker. You just have to. You, first of all, you have to get out of the way of the of the lineman. So. I think that these are issues that can be solved here. Let me ask you this, because we're going to have to start wrapping up. What is it that Jason Garrett has? Does he have to do something to shake this team up, or does he just have to let everything settle and then, and let the Cowboys play to their capabilities? This is a tough one, and we, and we kind of – several of us pressed him on this yesterday because – and he, he views himself as a teacher – not just a coach, as right. a teacher, and and a motivational. I mean, and and acknowledges that if the message isn't getting across, if you find a lull, you have to do whatever it is to make sure that information gets across. So it goes back to the whole, you know, okay, do you throw a fit? Do you throw chairs around the locker? You know, that sort of thing. Right. Now, there's a fine line there between being disingenuous and just staging something, and it comes from a, a, a place of who you are, and it makes sense with who you are. Um, but, you know, the Jason Garrett behind the scenes, I think, is willing to do whatever it takes, and he feels that I build a relationship with these guys. They know what I'm about. I can challenge them in ways that they know will never be made public, mm-hmm. and I'll do that. And I think he's very forceful at doing that. All of that being said, sometimes 
I mean, it, it's human nature, and, and it's not just athletics. You look at how corporations are run. Um, after nine, ten years of hearing the same message or variation of that message time and time again, it just doesn't register. It doesn't connect on the level that it was earlier. It may be ingrained as part of what you're doing, but now you're ingrained in something and it's not working. And so what do you need well, the for message, that spark? You know? Even though you know your personnel is going to change greatly over the nine or ten years, if you've got one, one player or two players left over that period of time, that's one thing. But I think your message and your methods have to evolve with the personnel. Exactly. Um, yeah. As, as they grow. And I don't, I mean, I think that, listen, it's it's fun and it's easy to, to make jokes at Jason's public personality. Um, and he's completely, I think, okay with how he operates and he does what he needs to do behind the scenes. And I, I appreciate the the fact that you give it a, a very balanced look. Um, my biggest issue is the last two weeks, I've seen some things that to yeah. me indicate frustration. Oh, very disturbing things. Yeah. And inconsistency in his approach. And if I'm buying Jason Garrett, what I'm buying is the consistency and the process. That's and, his hallmark, yeah. And I feel like there have been a couple of instances in the last two weeks. And the, the one instance last week, I'm, I'm really referring to the frustration he showed with the challenge flag. Yeah. I get it. I still think that that was a bad penalty on, on called against him. But still, there was there was yeah. enormous frustration displayed. Um, and then this past week. Now, in I part just because of the, that, now you don't challenge in the end zone on the maybe, touchdown. Maybe I think yeah. that went into it. I really do. Um, but those are the those are the two things that I see that are disturbing. But I still feel like the, the talk about I, I think the talk about Jason Garrett job security is all good for conversation right now. But I think everybody knows um, or or should know that as long as this team has a chance to make the playoffs in what is a very weak division, um, there is no chance in the world. That yeah. Jerry Jones is going to the, the the circumstances and the situations have changed from the last time sure. around. But but I think that also gets to how Jason Garrett presents himself to the fans because I always argue that's the constituency he cares least about. Not that he dismisses them, not that he doesn't treat them with respect, but he how he, many NFL fans, at a different level. How many NFL coaches these days have a, any kind of connection with their fan base? They don't. They're not connect. They're they're national well, figures, not local figures. More so, yeah. I mean, you know, but Peterson, I think, is speaking to say, that market and that fan base. And, and I, I think you have some guys who who are Tomlin in, in, in Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, uh, Pete Carroll in Seattle. I I think I think public those opinion. Are guys, those are guys with all, all three guys with Super, Super Bowl, Bowl rings. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. And, and that it's helps. a lot easier to connect sure. your fan base yeah. when you can say, hey. Hey, and, and if Garrett had won uh, a Super Bowl, he would be this quirky professor that everyone wants to give a break, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but he's not. But I'll, but he's, uh, again, I, I argue the, the backlash against Jason Garrett has become a little personal because he shows so little of who he is personally to right. the fans. And they want to see their frustration and anxiety on him more coming out of games, and that's not who he is. And so now they emotionally 
even put more of that on him and, and go, well, who are you not to feel this the way I do? The and, clapper. And listen, I'm just going to ride him and mock him. The clapper, that. The, it's all fun, right? It's all knee-jerk thing, and you, yeah. can, you can have fun sitting from a 1,000 miles away doing that. I'm just going to end with this. That Listen, fans, you get frustrated. You want your coach, your manager, whoever, to show frustration and to – turn over the spread in the clubhouse yeah. or to throw the challenge flag the way he did or grab somebody by the jersey, it does nothing. That's not how you reach players. It's how you alienate players. It's how you cost your team games. And this is who Jason Garrett is, and this is the persona he's going to demonstrate to you. And either he's going to win or he's or he's or not. not. And that's, yeah. that's, that's all it comes down to. And if he does win – all of a sudden, it's oh, we love Robot Jason, you know, mm-hmm. and and if he doesn't, then the Cowboys will have made a change, and I will have to say that that Jerry Jones gave him every opportunity and every and every beyond, resource like, sure. in the book to to try no and question. succeed. And you can't fault Jerry here for being. Mm-hmm. If you faulted Jerry for being impulsive in the past, you can't fault him for being patient now. So. Yes. Um, with that, let's wrap it up and say uh, this has been a great podcast. Um, How come you got the, the last word? Once, because I'm not at home right now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, we got to get out of here. It was great to have uh, everybody in studio, and hopefully we'll uh, talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.